This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Romans chapter 1. I have a one-week sermon that I want to share with you before we start another series. But the fact that it's only one week does not diminish its importance. Uh, There is a very important word known as the gospel. And I want to make sure you and I are on the same page and we understand what the gospel is and why the gospel is important and why the gospel is the core of why we exist. And this term, uh, I want it to mean something to you. And I'm hoping that the scripture brings life to it today. And the teaching does. Because sometimes terminology can become so familiar and a little bit old and a little bit tired and even can become distorted. And so we have to relook at a familiar word. Now, I know not all of you, uh, for not all of you, this word is familiar. But with God's help, it will be part of your lexicon from this day forward because it is an important word. Romans chapter 1. Starting with verse 15. So I am eager to preach the good news to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power for salvation to everyone who believes. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for this important word called gospel. And I ask that today it would have life to it because there's life in your word and that this definition would just sink into our hearts and the scriptures would sink into our hearts and that we would be gospel-centered people because when we're gospel-centered people, we're Jesus-centered people. So help us with that. And we love you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, I pray if you agree, would you say amen? Amen. Well, go ahead and take a seat. One of my closest friends growing up was a guy named Mark Koch. Big, strong guy, man. This guy was always stronger than the rest of us, man. Had big muscles, really good football player. He always would wear his hat backwards and had this huge presence about him. Nice guy, but he would come into a room and he'd get your attention. Hat backwards, muscle guy. He'd talk real quick, you know, real loud. He'd be like, what's up, Chris? What's going on? Or, and give nicknames out. What's up, Max? That's not Max's nickname, but it's a kind of a cool nickname anyway. Um, he would give out a nickname, had this big presence. And I remember one, uh, our, it was our senior year, right before uh, the fall of the senior year. And as we were coming to school and gathering together, he began to talk about something that was going to happen in our city. And I ended up going to college with this guy, so I've known him really well. This is the most excited I've ever seen Mark before. It started out kind of something like this. He'd say, one month from today, it's coming. One month from today, it's coming. One month went to two weeks. Two more weeks and it's here. Three more days and it's opening. The countdown was on. This guy was focused. Tomorrow, it starts. And he would talk about this every day. I mean, the anticipation. Our whole school was anticipating this event because Mark talked about it all the time. This is no lie. Do you know what it was? The grand opening of CC's Pizza 
in our hometown. The $2.99 buffet, this was 20 years ago, and the buffet was $2.99, which meant you could gather up three bucks and some change and have all the pizza and bad pizza desserts and soda you wanted. And I have never seen Mark so excited about that. I mean, he was telling everybody, I guess when you're 17 and you're a big athlete, the idea of cheap pizza available to you is very, very important. And You know, CC's Pizza could not have paid Mark more money uh, to be a marketer because when that opened up, man, we lined up out the door. Everybody was there. Every different demographic in our school was there. It was very close to our school, and we had driven over to North Richland Hills where the first CC's in Dallas was, and now it was in Irving right by our school. And, And Mark was so excited because he knew this buffet was going to change his life. Isn't it interesting that the things we're excited about are the things we talk about? The things that we're pumped about, we want to share. If something means something to you, you want to share it with someone else. This, guys, is the genesis and the origins of this very important term we call the gospel. If you're taking notes, here is the first fill in the blank. Here is the definition of the gospel. If you take the word evangelo, which we get evangelize and come to the root of what it was trying to say in the original language is simply this good news. The gospel means good news. And we get excited about a lot of stuff that we think is good news. I mean, yesterday I retweeted the fact or or Friday or Thursday now that Marcus Mariota is now the Titans quarterback. I mean, That's good news if you've seen the guys they've had the last few years, right? And I was excited enough that I pushed the retweet button. And for all my followers, I wanted them to know, I'm excited that the Titans have a new quarterback. Whatever it is that we think is good news, we begin to announce and we begin to let people know that are important to us. Here's the good news we have, guys. Good news that we forget. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10 says it this way. For his son, we wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Jesus, who was raised from the dead, a very defined Jesus. The Jesus, the resurrected one, the one who claimed to be God and proved that by him rising from the dead, has come to rescue us from the coming wrath. Some of us don't like to think about the wrath of God, but the wrath of God is talked about uh, on a regular basis in the scripture. Romans chapter one is an even deeper example of that. Our sin means God's holiness. There's wrath upon us. That's the bad news. I mean, that's really bad news. The really bad news is if you make a mistake, if you miss speak on a word, if you have a wrong attitude, because God is perfect and holy, his wrath is against you. That's really poor news. That's really bad news. And that's really not exciting news to preach, right? Hey, to preach about the wrath of God, that, that doesn't feel good to preach. That's the bad news. But here's the good news, that because of Jesus, we're not under the wrath Because of Jesus, we're not under a curse. Because of Jesus, we're not 
being opposed. Because of Jesus, we have grace and mercy and love upon us. And I don't know about you, but that is a lot more exciting than a pizza buffet or a football player, is it not? It is good news. It is news that we have to continually be to be reminded of that Jesus has come and rescued us and saved us. Jesus has put his favor upon us. He's put his blessing upon us. This is good news for us. And when it becomes familiar or commonplace or something that we don't think about often, all of a sudden the best news we've ever received becomes just like a distant memory. And that's not effective. And that's not good for us. I want to talk to you today about characteristics of the gospel. You already have the definition. Characteristics of the gospel, it's pretty easy. One of the things that is part of my job that you probably don't realize is to protect you. And from something very specific that you probably never think of. On a regular basis, I would say even a weekly basis, I protect this flock from telemarketers and salesmen and saleswomen. Because those who are trying to get sales have realized that if they can get to the pastor, they can get to a whole bunch of people really fast. So I get emails, calls, texts all the time from people. A lot of times they're acquaintances of mine or people who have some level of relationship. And they'll say something like this, Aaron, I've got good news for you. Can we meet together? I've got some good news for you. My good news is this. If you will just set up in your lobby scented candles and sell them, uh, you can get 20% back for the church. Okay? A lot of times it's something like this. Aaron, I have good news for you. I, I want to put on a health seminar to talk about living healthy and our, our financial health. And I want to talk about financial health for your people. And then at the end, we'll offer some insurance options. Okay? I've got good news for you, Aaron. If your church buys my product or shops at my store or eat at my restaurant or whatever, you get 15% back to the church. All of a sudden, something that's supposed to be good news for me sounds like a lot of work for me. It means I got to set up tables. I got to convince you to come to an extra meeting. I've got to you know, give some of my leadership equity to trick you, you know, for 20%. Something that is offered to me as, Aaron, this is good news. It's actually good news for the person offering it. It's good, it's good news for their bottom line. It's good news for their sales product. It's not good news for me. Listen, a lot of times, some of us incorrectly look at the gospel like that. We hear this message, you know, salvation is free. Salvation is a gift. Salvation is from God. But then we think that after we receive the gift, there's going to be a catch to it. We, we think, I'm going to receive the gift, but I've got to, in order to receive the gift, there's a whole bunch of stuff that is in the fine print. There's a whole bunch of obligations that by receiving this gift, I, I, don't, I didn't realize I signed up for this. And, and we take American marketing schemes and we attach them probably subconsciously to the gospel. Oh yeah, nothing is free. Have you heard that phrase? Nothing is free. Nothing is really free in this world. 
Uh, we, we think that, okay, God somehow is going to trick us and offer us this free salvation, uh, and then there's some kind of catch to it. And here's the second observation that I want to, or really the first observation I want to give you about characteristics of the gospel. This is so important for you to understand. This is going to keep you from, if you're, if you're a 242 leader or teaching kids or any, you know, any type of preaching, this is going to save you from a bunch of erroneous preaching, okay? Here's the point. Is this, number one. I don't have it memorized, so you can put it up there. The gospel is about what, here's a blank, God has done for us, not what we have to do for God. This is huge. That's what the good, good news is about. The good news is not about rules. The good news is not about signing a dotted line. The good news is not about all the things we have to do to get to God, that is every other religion besides Christianity. You understand that's the big differentiation. Every other religion is about what we have to do to get God's favor. What Christianity is about is what God has done to gift us his favor. There's a huge difference. Guys, this is remarkable news. This is unbelievable news. This is incredible news. This is news that that our hearts can't even contain, that we can talk about and analyze and think about for literally eternity, and we never get used to it. Now, because we're really concerned about behavior, and we're really concerned about morality, and those are good things to be concerned about, then we start attaching all these other things to salvation. You guys know that God's called us to holiness, and that's something that I preach. It's something that we'll look at when we're looking at other angles of the scripture. But when it comes to getting into heaven or not getting into heaven, it's all about grace. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about not what you are going to do. It's about what God has done for you. And that is why the hymn writer hundreds of years ago called it amazing grace, undeserved grace, unearned grace. Grace that, that none of us are qualified for. But it's grace that God has gifted upon us. That his grace has wooed us. His grace has put us in a position to receive it. And his grace has even given us the ability to receive it. Romans 5 eight says it this way. But God proves his own love for us. And now that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You notice it doesn't say that we prove our love for God and that's why he died for us? No, it's the opposite. It's the opposite of our intuition. It's God proved his love for us. We discover that God loves us. The reason we love God, it says in 1 John, is because he loved us first. Our love for him is like a reaction. It's a reaction to what he's done for us. It's a reaction to how he has sought us out. It's a reaction about his grace that has rested upon us. And that gives us great humility. That gives us a a great sense of awe, a great sense of respect for God, a great sense of love for that which is holy and special and set apart. It also gives us a desire to say no to sin. And why would we want to dwell in sin that grieves the heart of God when he's done so much for us? I love John 1, 12 through 13, that talks about about this change that we have to all who did receive him. He gave them the right to be the children of God. Who's doing the action right there? God is. God gives the right. 
to those who believe in his name, who were born, this is very important, not of blood. This lets you know you're not born a Christian. You're not born a Christian the first time. Just because mom's a Christian, dad's a Christian, grandpa's a preacher, great grandpa built the church doesn't mean you're a Christian. You don't get, you're not a Christian by the bloodline. You know, in Islam, if you're born to Muslim parents, you're automatically a Muslim. It's not the case among us, among Christians. We're not born of blood, meaning earthly blood. We're not, we don't inherit our faith automatically. We have to be born, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. God is the center of our salvation. God is the one initiating our salvation, giving us the ability to choose him, giving us the ability to receive him, giving us the atmosphere so that we would choose him and make him number one. First John 3.14 talks about this conversion. And First John is a book that talks about Christian conduct heavily. It talks about light and darkness, right and wrong. But First John 3.14, I want you to see this part. We know, look at this, this phrase that I underlined. We have passed from death to life and we, we, because we love our brothers. We, we have gone from one state to another. So you're not a Christian because you inherited it. You're not a Christian because you were born in Tennessee and there's, you know, a Baptist church on every city square. That doesn't mean you're a Christian just because you happen to be born here. You're not born here because of family connection. You're not born here because of what you're not born again or are, you're not a Christian because of what you sign on the census. It's not of blood. It's not even of the will of man. It's of the spirit. It's the Holy Spirit moving within you giving you the ability to choose Christ. And then this is what happens. There is a conversion. You cross over from death to life. That is a great realization. Because when you're in death, spiritual things don't really matter to you. I mean, when you're in death, church is pretty much a waste of time. When you're in death, scripture is pretty uninteresting. Now, to be intellectually honest with you, there are some parts of scripture that are uninteresting, but I'm talking about the stuff we understand. So if you ever, if you ever just open the Bible and just flip to Leviticus, okay, I struggle with those too. But preaching is, man, the time to snooze if you're still in death. If you're still in death, there's this great tendency. I believe this is an intellectually inaccurate argument. Christian music's no good. There's no such thing as Christian music or secular music. There's Christian lyrics and secular lyrics. And God moves through both of them. But there, there, I believe there is an aversion uh, when people are in rebellion. I mean, I'm always making evaluations whether a song melodically is good or not. That's fine. But, but there is a, uh, when you're in rebellion and, and you're dead, and you're not alive, the grace hasn't brought you alive. You don't want to hear worship. You don't want to hear songs talking about light. You were drawn to darkness. We're drawn to death. We're drawn to those things that are, are not good in this world. Sexual perversion, violence. We get entertained through violence. We get entertained through perversion. Uh, we get entertained through putting uh, people being put down. These are things our hearts are attracted to. We're attracted to deeds of darkness. We're attracted to things that don't please God. Why? Because we're dead. We're dead. And then what happens is this, we move from death to life. And all of a sudden, that same preacher that put us to sleep 
if he's a good preacher, um, and we're dead in our sins. That same preacher, all of a sudden, he starts making sense. All of a sudden, now, we, we become interested in God's standards. We become interested in God's ways. Do you understand? This doesn't come. This doesn't come from our family name. It doesn't even come from our intellect as much as it comes from being born by the Spirit. The Spirit births us. The Spirit causes those things to come alive in us. And this is, this is God's will for us. A lot of times we look at Christianity incorrectly. We think that Christianity is about joining something. You know, a few years back, I joined the Rotary Club. And I love being in the Rotary Club. Enjoyed it very much. I'll probably get back in it next year or the year after. I, I, I go to the Rotary Club and I signed something with obligations, rules. The rules is you go to club every week. And if you don't go, go to club, you make it up as another, at another club or you go online. And you do some, some kind of like homework thing online. And... If you're going to be in Rotary, you serve your community. You get involved in service projects. You help out with the, the, the bike project they have, the Gallatin Club had that I was a part of, and the other great work that the Hendersonville Club does. And you get involved. You participate. And then you pay your dues because the dues pay, it pays for your monthly meal, and it helps keep the organization vibrant and going and all that type of stuff. So I signed the paper saying, okay, if, if, if I'm going to be a Rotarian, these are the things I'm going to do. And then guess what happened? When I started being the pastor of this church seven years ago, I got really busy. I quit going to the meetings. I quit going to the service projects. And therefore, because I didn't go to the meetings, I didn't pay the dues anymore. And I was out. Because I, I signed something and I said, I'm going to follow these rules and these rules get me in, but not following these rules get me out. And that's the way life works, right? Works on the, on, the, on the gyms we join. You sign up. You say you'll abide by the rules. You give them whatever, 20 bucks a month or whatever it is. And then when you stop doing those things, then you're no longer part of it. We wrongly believe this, that the gospel is about joining, not receiving. This is number two. You can write it down. We, we believe that... We believe that the gospel is about joining. The gospel is not joining. The gospel is receiving. We, we have something called CIL Forward here. It's a process that we give you an opportunity to become a covenant partner. That's a physical way of saying God has spiritually connected us to this body, but it doesn't have anything to do with your conversion. It doesn't have anything to do with you going to heaven. It's the gospel, and that message is why you're going to heaven. Church membership doesn't matter when it comes to eternity. That's, that's an earthly institution. And it's a good thing. And, and I hope you do that. I hope you become a covenant partner. I, I believe there's biblical uh, reasoning why to do that. But it has nothing to do with salvation. The good news is, it's what God has done for you. And it's not about you joining something. It's about you receiving something. Receiving the gospel. 
receiving the message of Jesus, the message that Jesus is God, that Jesus was the substitute for your sins, that Jesus did rise on the third day. This is the power of God we talked about. It is not a story. It is not a myth. It's not just a historical fact. It's not a legend. It's the power of God. That's what the gospel is. It's the power of God to change our lives. And it starts with God. It centers on God. It's dependent on God. And that is good news, is it not? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, this scripture is so important. For you are saved by grace through faith. So when you have faith to receive the message and receive the gospel. Now, this is really important. This takes away some of our spiritual pride, our haughtiness that we look down upon other people. We look down upon other religions. We look down upon other people who haven't had the advantages we've had to understand scripture. And we think, man, I I chose Christ, man. I, I have an advantage over all these people. Nonsense. Look what the scripture says. And this being faith is not from yourself. It's God's gift, not from works so that no man can boast. Christians, we need more and more humility. And it starts with understanding that if it wasn't for God, you wouldn't be saved. I know that's a simplistic statement, Well, of course not, but we don't live that way. We act that like we favor God. We've privileged God. God's so lucky. God's so lucky that we chose him. I am the center of my world and God is so important that when I feel like it, I put him in the middle. No, it's not that. It's that he chose us. He put his grace upon us. He put his favor upon us. He put his blessing upon us. And we are so blessed to be under his grace. We're so blessed that we've been chosen by him. And because we've been chosen by him, we can choose him. And he is the center of our salvation. By grace, we are saved. Man, this is not from ourselves. It's him. And, and this, when we, when we remember this message... And we remember this gospel message. It keeps our faith fresh. We don't get stale. We don't get bored with Christianity. We don't get bored with the, with the message and church doesn't come laborious and, and Christian values don't become restrictive because we forget it's not really about us. It's about God that we are so fortunate and so blessed that he chose us, that he put us in, in the atmosphere so that we could know him and know who he is. So important. The gospel's about God. It starts with Him, it initiates with Him. It's the fact that He chose us. When I was a child, we, we had some very close family friends, the Davises, that traveled quite a bit. And, and during that era of my life, we didn't travel a lot. We ended up traveling a lot more from junior high on up. But as an elementary kid, we went to Grandma's in San Antonio and back. That was it. And just that's where we were economically at the time. The Davises, they would go all these different places, cruises. They'd go to Disney. They would go to all these different places. And they would invite us over and tell us about it. So we would come over and eat food, hear a little bit about the trip. And then the night transitioned because then dessert came out. It was often homemade ice cream, which is still the best. The old machine that's such a pain to make that's still the best ice cream possible. And the lights would dim and this amazing machine would come out called the slide projector. Y'all remember this thing up here? Yeah. This morning I thought, I wonder how many people know what a slide projector is. 
And so I decided just in case I got a picture and put it in media and I put it up and Jessica Shea, who helped lead worship today, she's probably 20 years old. She looked up and she went, what in the world is that? (laughs) So I thought, yeah, I need to, I need to let the youngsters know this was it, man. And in my seven-year-old, eight-year-old mind, when the lights would dim and I had my homemade ice cream and they would start showing the slides, I remember thinking, someday when I am old and I have a family, we will show slides after dinner at dessert with a machine like that. I mean, there was fire in my belly, man. I had a vision for it because in my mind, I just thought this is amazing. There's nothing quite like it. So as you know, since half the crowd here does not even understand what that machine is, uh, we do it differently now. And who would have predicted that we would carry around computers like this or my phone sitting over there. uh, We would carry these incredibly powerful computers in our hand that now we call smartphones. And we go to Instagram or Facebook or some other social networking trendy thing that the teenagers have discovered that are, they are still hiding from their parents until we find it and they move on to something else. And what do we do? After our trips, we post it. And we want the whole world to know, I went hiking and saw a waterfall. We want the whole world to know I was at this concert or we want the whole world to know that I saw this star getting coffee at Crema. Here's their picture. And we, we post that. And here, here's one of the reasons why I want you to think about this. If you've been on a trip and you've traveled somewhere, it's not quite as satisfying if you don't have someone you love to show the pictures to. A lot of times we travel and we see new things or have new experiences. And what makes those special is we get to share it with people we love. And so whether it was 1982 and it was a slide projector or 2015 and Instagram, we want to share our pictures and stories. Why? Because we got good news. I was in New York. We got, we got good news. I found a new restaurant. We found good news. My favorite aunt came in town and surprised me and I love her so much. I want to share it with you all because good news has to be told. Here's number three is this. Number three, third characteristic of the, the gospel is this. The gospel is spread by telling. We got to tell. We got to tell people the message. We got to tell people the message. It's a great message, but it's only great if it's told. It's only great if it's told. And I remember 15 years ago, 20 years ago, wondering if preaching was going to still be in vogue when I got older. I started preaching real early on and it was part of my identity. And I started thinking, I mean, is preaching going to still be around in the future or or a church is just going to do dramas all the time, do skits, you know, five act skits, and no one's going to hear preaching anymore. Is preaching still going to happen? I didn't know. Preaching was old fashioned and it felt old fashioned in the early nineties, but man, preaching's not going anywhere because there's a message and the gospel has to be told. How will they know if they don't hear? How will they know if they don't hear? And that is why that when Wednesday night, 
when I sat in this room and I saw these children excited about Awana and I saw the dozens of volunteers who give their Wednesday nights, they are not just taking care of kids on Wednesday. They are sharing the good news, the good news of the gospel. That's why what Matt does on Wednesday nights and we had a barbecue and had a record crowd Wednesday night, the most teenagers we've ever had on this campus. And why did we do it just to entertain kids after school? No way. It's because we've got a message and we've got to tell the message. And it may mean we got to cook a hamburger and do some silly games and play with the kids and have fun with them. But at the end, we do this because the gospel message has to be told. Daniel Becker sitting over here. Wave your hand, Daniel and Brittany. These guys lead a wonderful ministry that we support financially called Young Life that's targeted Hendersonville High School, that every Monday night they preach the gospel and they take kids who are not in church to, to camp in the summer and spend time with them. Why? Because we have a story that we have to tell. Alex Lute is leading a trip to Costa Rica. And he, his leadership has created this annual trip. And we do that because there's kids in Carpio that need to hear the gospel. There's a ministry there we need to connect with. There's a ministry there that we need to partner with. Pastor Matt and Beth Bazelli, who's not here today, are with Mission 615. And Mission 615 goes to the neighborhoods where there's not high income. And parents typically don't take their kids to church. And that Sunday mornings, uh, they're sleeping in and they don't make Wednesday night a priority. And so Mission 615 goes into the neighborhoods and goes into the projects and goes into the community, uh, community centers. And they share this message that God has chosen us, that God has done something for us that we cannot do ourselves. This is the gospel message. And this is why we exist. We've received it. And what we receive, we get the privilege to tell others. And our trip, our trip is going to be so much more meaningful. And we're going to see so much more if we begin to see it through the eyes of those we love. We're not randomly living life, aimlessly living life. We're living life under the umbrella of an unbelievable story And that story needs to be told. 1 Corinthians 5.20 says this. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. We get to do this and we get to do this. You understand that? Because I can't do it by myself. You can't do it by yourself. We get to share the gospel That's what church is. It's a community and everything we do, you're part of. Something Jack Oskin printed a few weeks ago. And for those working the communication center, if you don't mind making sure we have enough supplies of this, this is a, has a picture of our church, which is the least important part of this. On the inside is the message, the gospel message. You can take this, take as many as you want. He printed unfathomable amount of these. So help us and take some and you can carry some in your pocket and if God opens the door you can use that you can use that some people have had real success with that that's just one tool maybe you're not that type of person that's okay you don't have to do it that way God's going to use you to spread the gospel I want to say one closing thing before we pray part of the story of my ministry is an amazing story you'll find out in Forward 101 someday that for years I was part of churches, two different churches that set up and tore down every single Sunday. 
and through God merging two churches in this building you sit in, in six days, I went from years of setting things up to being in this building. It was just a remarkable, remarkable miracle. And it was just, it's a sign to me. So this, I'm not a big building person normally, uh, but this building is a sign to me. And I want you to know this. I've never gotten used to coming into this building. Never gotten used to it. Never taken this building for granted. I've never, because it's a sign to me. Never taken it for granted. But here, here's the thing. This is still just a building. That's all it is. That's all it is. It's a, it's a place for us together. But here, here's my concern. We've gotten used to the gospel. We, we've gotten used to the gospel. It's just something out there. And I just, brothers and sisters, I want to implore you today. I felt very strongly led to give this singular message. There's some other things God wants me to speak on this summer that he's stirring me. And we, I cannot speak them if we don't understand the gospel. The gospel is the center. It's the base. It's the foundation. It's the glue. It's the security. It's why we're here. Let's stand together. Oh, don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. Shake off the apathy. Shake off the mental cobwebs. Some of us need to, I, I, I want to be real clear about this, and this is not for everyone, but some of you need to read a, start reading beyond your devotions, a spiritual book, because your mind is getting flooded with concepts that are not of God. And you know this, you know this from me. If you don't know me, I'll tell you this. I believe in education. I believe in, in a variety of information sources. Uh, but I do know this is that we purchase our thoughts and then our thoughts purchase us. So what you choose to put in your mind will greatly affect the outcome of your life. Will greatly. And if you don't have a steady diet of the things that, that come from, the, from God that are centered on the gospel message, this message will mean nothing to you. It'll mean nothing to you anymore. It'll just be a memory. It'll just be, it'll just be something that used to be a big part of your life. So it's kind of part of your personality now, but it won't be the center place. It will be that which drives you, that which consumes you, that which, that which centers you. And far be it from us if the gospel is not number one, if the gospel is not the priority, if the gospel is not our everything, right? Far be it from us. Let's pray. Lord, some of us need to repent of our sins today. God, I have to ask this. I just feel the need to ask this. I've, I've presented the gospel today. And some of us, if, if you have not really understood the good news before, it's just, it just today, you just understand it. I mean, the light came on. Your heart is alive. Maybe your heart's burning within you. Maybe your heart is beating a little faster right now. Maybe that you just have this need to respond because it it makes sense right now. And the light came on. It's different. That's the Holy Spirit moving in you right now. The Holy Spirit's moving in you right now. And it's calling you, calling you to a change, calling you to a place of change. That's you. If you're in the far right section of where you're sitting, you're right, not mine. You're right. That's you. Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand right now. No one else is looking. Anyone in the far right section? Anyone, anyone in the middle section, just raise your hand right now. The Holy Spirit's moving on you. You've understood the gospel in a new way. Anyone in that middle section? Anyone in the middle section? Anyone in the far left section? Say, yeah, God's moving in me right now. Thank you. You can put your hand down, man. Thank you. I'm so glad you did that. It was This message was worth it for you. 
God wants you to know that. This message was for you. It was worth it for you. And, and you'll never be the same after today. You'll never be the same because you know now. You know in a new way. You know in a new way. It's going to change the way. I'm, to, I, I'm just going to change the way you serve. It's going to change the way you love. Anyone else in that far left section? Any, anyone else? Well, praise God. There's one person raised their hand today. How many know Jesus said that's enough, right? Jesus went all the way for one. He went all the way for one. He forsake the 99 and went for one. Let me ask Let me ask you something. I'm going to ask you something boldly, boldly. You consumer Christian who have come to church to have your ears tickled, you've come to church to be entertained, you come to church just to receive something for yourself. Was this church service worth it for you? Was getting up today and getting dressed and doing something, coming to church instead of doing something your flesh wanted to do, was it worth it for one person to raise their hand? I want to know, was it worth it? Well, let me tell you something. That's the power of the gospel. That's the power of the gospel. That's the spirit of Jesus that says, I'll go after the one. And you know what? We'll come and we'll greet and we'll go to the parking lot and we'll prepare communion and we'll practice music and we'll take care of kids in the nursery. If one sticks up their hand and if one converts to the gospel, is that not the spirit of Jesus? Yeah, it is. Amen. Well, we got another service coming up, don't we? (laughs) All right. Well, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to dismiss today. And communion is open. And um, those of you who have children, uh, one of the spouses will probably need to go get the kids or whatever, uh, I suppose. I guess we have a little more latitude since uh, child care is provided for the next service. But if the table of the Lord is open, I'm going to dismiss our service today. And if you want to take communion, Beth's going to continue to lead in worship. And when your heart's ready, you can go. Many of you I know need to go. So this is not like a test, like who liked the sermon? They're going to stick around. And if you didn't, I know that we have schedules here. And so there's nothing like that. Uh, But the table of the Lord is open. Uh, Pastor Matt, uh, other pastors, would you go in the back? Prayer partners, if you need prayer today, uh, we got some prayer partners. Rachel's going back there. She's Pastor Daniel's wife. Pastor Lee's going back there. If you need prayer, uh, we'll, we'll pray for you. I see Judy's moving back there. This is good. This is good, right? God's doing great things among us. I love you guys. I love you guys. Is, uh, did the Lord speak clearly today about the gospel? Did he, did, did he raise our hearts a little bit? I feel like he did. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you peace. I love you and Jesus loves you. Have a great week in him. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. 